and welcome to the very first episode of Down Under the Ring. I am the Warship and I'm joined by my co-host, Fid McAwesome. How you going, Fid? Not too bad, dude. Not bad at all. Ah, this is uh, this is a strange thing, you know. We've been talking about it for such a long time, and it's really, really good to be getting in and doing it for the first time together here. I know, today. like in all honesty, we've probably been talking about doing something like this probably for about two years, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I think we we met in a professional environment, uh, not around wrestling of all things. It was around our other work um and it just so happened that, that you were introduced to me as offered you need to meet the warship he's awesome dude but uh you'll love him he used to be a pro wrestler <laughs> and i was like okay yep he, we're gonna be best friends <laughs> yeah you know what i guess we probably should uh address that whole thing as well so we did meet thanks to content creation uh and that was sort of what i fell into after i was a wrestler i guess i still am because you never really stop being one never say but ever. yes i was <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly right. Look, that's I can never say never, even though I've had a surgically repaired broken neck. Um, but, you know, I've been doing the wrestling thing for over 15 years and wrestled all over Australia, never got the chance to leave the country. And, yeah, like we, we kind of hooked up that way because I was working in the YouTube slash Twitch circle of the world yep. and that's kind of where I met you. Yeah, and I've been working in the uh, gaming content creation space, mainly on the business and management side of things for over 10 years now. So, um, yeah, that's how we met. And it just so happened that I'm a massive wrestling nerd. You're a pro wrestler. And I was like, we're going to be the best of friends. <laughs> Look, honestly, the, you know, the massive wrestling nerd thing, it does apply, I think, to both because even, like, you're, you're crazy. If you're a wrestler and you're not, you don't love what we do, like, yeah, you're not doing it right. So well, I think the, you have to be a massive nerd. Well, it's the thing that I say with content creators as well, right, is – um, you need to be to be good at it and passionate about what you're doing. You need to be a student of your own game, mm-hmm. right? And that's I've always said. You know, you need to watch other Twitch streamers and watch YouTubers or in podcasting, listen to other podcasters. Um, so I assume it's the same in wrestling. Like, if you're going to be good at what you do, be a fan of it. Yeah. Then honestly, the thing is, is that I do all of that when it comes to wrestling as well. So I I listen routinely all the time. In fact, one of the reasons why we're doing even all of this is because we we shared our love for the various podcasts from wrestling as well. And, you know, I I regularly listen to all of the big ones because I really miss doing it and hearing stories from the road and hearing the boys talk about what we do, it it makes me feel like I'm still part of it in a lot of ways. So, yeah. yeah. And and I think there is a... um hole in the podcast market and wrestling for the Australian and New Zealand or the ANZ sort of region because funnily enough weirdly all of the good YouTube media and podcasts comes out of the UK in my opinion mm-hmm. and I don't know how come they managed to corner that market especially on YouTube um, but yeah a lot of it comes out of the UK and then you've got of course the guys that fight for and PWI and all those sort of guys as well that are doing mm-hmm. amazing work so yeah we're just going to do the not exactly the same thing, uh, but you know we're going to be doing this from a Aussie perspective, New Zealand perspective, um, 
as well as just being fucking nerds and wrestling. <laughs> and look, hey, I know all the best podcasts come out of the UK and, you know, the Americas as well, but a lot of the wrestling as of late, a lot of the best wrestling in the Dude. world is coming from Australia, New Zealand. Like, and yeah, that's yeah. just facts. It's, yeah, it's, you know, everything from uh, the big shows at the moment all have Aussies and Kiwis mm-hmm. at the top of the game there. So, I mean, like AEW, you've got Jay White, who's doing amazing work. Um, we've got um, uh Dakota Kai from New Zealand doing amazing work over in WWE. Mm-hmm. Um, Aussies are everywhere. Oh, yeah, absolutely. From Japan to America, you know, you've got Buddy, you've got Rhea, you've got – there are so many people like, you know, TMDK who are just staples of the Japanese yeah. scene as well at this point. So Hinare as well over there from New Zealand. Yeah, exactly right. So at the end of the day, and I don't want to say, no, miss anyone's name, you know, because we've yeah, got yeah, a lot yeah, of great lot people of all over the all over the world for it. So I think that we've got a really good spot to represent ourselves. And not just that too, because, you know, when we talk about wrestling and we talk about wrestling all over the world, a lot of the times we forget that what we have here in this country, in Australia, in New Zealand, is some of the best wrestling you'll ever ever see too there are some indie stuff's amazing premiere shows here in in australia and And i think later on in the show we're going to actually probably highlight some of the upcoming shows that we recommend as well yeah yeah absolutely because at the end of the day like if you don't know that there's wrestling here because i have that conversation all the time you know i'll be wearing a wrestling shirt and people will say oh you like wrestling and i'm like yeah well i used to do it and they're like what do you mean and i'll say (laughs) well it's down the road there's a bunch of shows within a couple of blocks from here and they lose their mind because a lot of people don't even know it exists despite the fact that we're regularly selling out shows and there are always mm. so many crowd members there but it, it, yeah uh, it blew my mind when i found out how many big names come to australia to wrestle at the local rsl yeah and look i've been on those shows before and it is it is really humbling to see people uh, who have been on the biggest stage of all wrestling in front of 60 70 80 100 300 people like if there is a yeah. there is a distinct moment in my mind i remember when kidman was over here years ago and he was getting into an argument with a old lady at the rsl because every time the wrestlers come they steal all of our black pens and <laughs> he's just like, come on, lady. That is such an Aussie wrestling Don't story. get hot, lady. I just want to borrow the pen. And, yeah, she was getting so mad about it. So, like, it's really humbling to see yeah. that, you know? All right. So um, how about we uh, kick things off then? Uh, because, look, we could probably talk about uh, these stories for in a, probably the next three mm-hmm. hours, but we've got to stretch all these <laughs> stories out over a few episodes. Uh, but, look, we're going to uh, do this every week and uh, – Uh, The way we're going to do things is we're not going to talk about each show and go through every single segment. We're going to pick out a few bits that we found interesting over the last week. Uh, We we will hit most of the main shows. Some shows we're probably going to go, eh, nothing much happened and not talk about it. Um, But uh, look, if there's anything that we've missed, um, feel free to hit either of us up on Twitter throughout the week and uh, give us your opinions as well. And it looks probably a good time for us to plug where people can follow us before we get into it. <laughs> yeah, well, I wasn't sure if we were going to do this at the start or at the end of the pod. Oh, we will do it at both hey, ends of the there show, There we mate. go, there we go. Um, yeah, so I guess the easiest way to get in contact with me anywhere is Twitter. I know we don't like Twitter anymore, but if you want to go there, yeah. you'll find me at underscore warship because somebody stole named the warship. Otherwise, 
Otherwise, it is the warship everywhere else. Yeah, and you can find me literally on everything from uh, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, threads as well now. I'm on everything, at FidMcCoy. We love us some threads, absolutely. What number did you get on that thing? I think I got 6 million. (laughs) I I was one of the early ones because I happened to be up when it went live for Australia, oh. and we were lucky because it went live for us before the rest yeah, of the world. Yeah, no, I just missed out. I saw a few people that we know uh, together for, through content creation talking about it, and I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And then maybe an hour later I signed up, but it was already too late. There was already 6 million people on it. So, Oh, dude. All right, so let's get into it. Um, we'll start things off. Uh, we're probably going to do this way uh, mm-hmm. every week. We'll start it off from last month, mo- oh, the Monday just gone, and come right through to uh, Sunday. So starting off Monday night. Yeah. Uh, first thing I want to uh, bring up is Cody is a freaking My star. God, he is. It is ridiculous. The difference in Cody, I think, since leaving to come back here. Oh, my God. Yeah, um, and uh, look. I think him going away and doing what he did in the Indies massively built him uh, up his personality and uh, his persona and the way he presents himself and all that. AEW, he would not have been what he is now without that Mm -hmm. step. But the big point to me is I think Cody is one of the keys to WWE's current success and I don't think he's been given a lot of the credit for it. Um, the point I want to bring up here is as a guy who stopped watching WWE for many mm-hmm. reasons, um, a lot of those reasons being just crappy booking. Um, I had issues with supporting a company that was doing certain things in a political side of things and all that that we won't no. get into. Um, no, but um, I had issues with WWE as a fan, uh, stopped watching it regularly. I became that guy that um, watches YouTube mm-hmm. updates. Raw would finish. I'd get, jump onto uh, YouTube and just keep up with who's who's new, who's still doing things, who's the current champ, all that yep. sort of thing. But um, So I became a big AEW yep. guy because of it, because AEW was doing something new. Um, it was interesting. Um, I think during the pandemic, um, AEW was one of three shows that were doing the better work out of all mm-hmm. of them. Um, and that's when I got onto it, right? And I went back to WWE because Cody went back to WWE. And I'd be interested to find out how many other people did that i wouldn't be surprised if a lot of them yeah and look for me like i totally agree with you because i i was at a point too where i was youtube scrolling a lot of the wwe programming because it became so easily digestible because it was just the same thing every week like there was no real level to it at all it wasn't dynamic and i'd get on my phone and get onto wrestle zone and read the results and then if there was anything that was interesting i would get onto youtube and and have a look at that as well but it did fall away a lot and then when Cody came back, I was like, okay, like, let's see how it goes. And I remember purposefully putting it on because Cody was coming back. And it was just the way that it he captured everybody in that instant because I was really unsure. Like, I wasn't sure that the crowd would receive him the way that they did. And it wasn't until yeah. they instantly did that I said, well, hang on a second, this is something 
really special. And I think that, you know, it's almost like the Heath Ledger thing. Would the Joker have been as successful as a, like, as a character? Would he have ingrained himself so much into current pop culture if Heath Ledger hadn't have died and the Dark Knight film? Like, when it comes to Cody, I think that he was on a roll, but I felt early on that he was being force-fed to us in that role when he came back to the WWE because, like, it was like, okay, but Cody's the guy. Cody's the guy. And then he had that fucking cage match, and that was it. Like, him coming out with his body broken in half and hmm. the trials and tribulations that came along with that, that, that's, that was what like, purely cemented him as the guy to me. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I, I agree as well with the force feeding things. Like, you remember, I think it was his second or third week back with the WWE and they had the countdown to Cody thing happening on yeah. Twitter and all that sort of thing. And I was just like, like I realise that you're wanting to keep this guy happy and you're putting a lot of money into him but this is mm-hmm. too much like i wa- i did have my concerns but yeah the dude yeah. star no absolutely and that like that was to me that was proof even though i already knew he was a star but like who does that who does that at all who goes and and looks at their chest after doing a heavy chest session and goes hang on it's not supposed to be purple oh well i'm just going to lie and then goes and wrestles a match anyway like like, yeah. that to me is just so many balls. And, like, he was getting chopped in it. He was getting the Singapore cane in I it. Got, and, oh, my God. I got yeah. angry. I'm not going to lie. I actually got angry. Uh, I was one of the guys that got onto Twitter and was like, I don't think it is smart to be encouraging somebody to jump into the ring and show that, you can just push through it and have a moment. But it, in hindsight, I think I was wrong, mm-hmm. right? The damage had been done. It was never going to – he wasn't going to do any more damage that was done to it already. He knew he was going to be off for the next six to seven Yeah, months. and by all accounts, he um, just flat out refused. Like, he was told yeah. that, hey, you cannot do this. And he said, no, no, I'm not fucking stopping. Like, we're, we're doing this. Like – and at the end of the day, they're like, okay, well, you sign this bit of paper, I guess, and then go do it anyway. But at the end of the day, I think that that really made him. And then when he came back, the reaction when he came back, it was ruined for me slightly by Cody Rhodes is entering the Royal Rumble, like those graphics coming up before the actual show. But aside yep. from that, like that reaction when he when he came out was just ridiculous. It's a- it's- it's funny you bring that up with the, the graphics and the pre-announcing people entering because I used to, when I, and this is 10 years ago when I was back as a full-time fan, mm-hmm. every year when the Royal Rumble came around, I would unfollow <laughs> all of the uh, dirt sheets yep. on Twitter uh, in the build-up to mm-hmm. the Rumble because I... And one of the guys that loved the surprises. And still to this day, I still will mute Fightful, I'll mute whoever, uh, I'll mute the hashtag Royal Rumble yeah. on Twitter and all that because I don't want to see the rumours and the no. leaks. I want to be surprised. It's one of the things I love about the Rumble. It's actually my favourite paper. Yes, me too. I, I used to say it was Mania, but it's not. Yeah, well, look, Mania, I still take time off every year yes, Mania. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad that. It's now two days, so I don't get have to sit through eight hours of wrestling <laughs> in one day. Um, but uh, it's 
Yeah, I agree. But while we're talking about stars, we also have to talk about the other big star that was on Raw this week, uh, and that is... Brock. Oh, man. Brock. Brock is so different now. Like, you can really tell, and I know that this has been spoken about in the past, but you can really tell when Brock is in. Like, when he is in with a guy and he he fucks with that person, you can tell immediately the difference. Like, even, like, last week or the week before at this point, my my weeks rolled together, even him taking the the Cody cutter, just the way that he sold it, and people are clamouring for it. I clamoured for it, and I'm like, wait a second, no, this is a wrestling move, and he's a wrestler, and he should be doing this. But it is just the difference in him. But Brock. He doesn't always... Brock doesn't always... I don't want to say he doesn't always mm. sell because I have seen him mm. sell. But like you said, there's a convincing sell where you're like, I'm going to do everything to put this guy over because I want this match and this moment and everything to be amazing. Uh, surprisingly, one of the ones that he did it with was Goldberg. Like he let Goldberg throw him around and manhandle him and he sold that like shocking. I didn't think that he fucked with no. Goldberg. But clearly when you were watching that moment back then when they had that interaction, he was like, yeah, I want this to look like you. Mm-hmm. He's actually making Cody look like a thing. I mean, you know, like the fact that the other week where Cody jumped in from behind and punched him right in his fucking head. Like like little moments like yeah. that. Like Brock never lets people get away with that anymore. Like it's been a long time since he's put any kind of work like that in. Like he always does good work, but... I mean, I'm sure we're all bored of Suplex City. As much as we like to chant it and as much as we like to buy the merch for it, there is a point where I sit back and I say, could you just put some fucking tights back on and just wrestle again? Because I miss that Brock Lesnar yep. so much. And we're seeing little snippets of that with this feud. He's having fun mm. again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I, I actually think like when Cowboy, Farmer Boy, Brock... Uh, about what was that about? Yeah, Zero Cowboy ago? Brock was the best. But that was when you started seeing Brock having fun. Yeah, already. like he wasn't just I'm the big monster heel that comes in and destroys. He's he's having fun on the mic. He's having fun at ringside. Mm-hmm. Um, even the small things like him turning up with the beard and his hair braided. Yeah. And he and he publicly said, like, I did that because my kids thought it would be yep. funny. And look, it was. And it was awesome. And it was. it's like, I haven't seen Brock have this much fun since Boombox Brock. Uh, like, yeah. like that, that to me, like, I haven't seen him enjoy himself since then. And it's really obvious that he really wants this to be good with him and Cody. So I... I love the story that they're going for, this whole David versus Goliath kind of you have to go through the trials that your dad went through to reach the top of the mountain. Like I think that everyone was so mad at Mania, and you know what? I was mad too, but everyone was so angry about it all not happening the way it should be happening. And I think that now we're seeing a little bit more of the genius behind it. So for everybody who's pissed off about LA Knight's push right now, if you're using what's happening with Cody now as your as your your guideline for it, I think we're going to be okay. Yeah, I, and I'm one of the people behind LA Knight. Yeah, it's a funny thing. You, you want to know the funny thing is it was about two months ago I tweeted like LA Knight is a yeah. star, and the amount of people that came back at me and said no, he's mm-hmm. not. And this was only two months ago. Like I can probably find you the tweet, and um, yeah, two months later everyone's like. 
he's the star. Why why aren't we pushing him? I was, I was saying this shit too much. <laughs> he's ago. a damn megastar. And I remember back in TNA, like I, I was a really big, really, really big on Eli Drake. Like I, I, I've always really enjoyed his work. Like, like, and yeah, you know, except for maybe Max Dupree, you were t- team dummy, brother. Yeah, yeah. Like everything, he's he's <laughs> always just been the rock and stone cold. That's the thing is that people people compare him at the moment to a fusion between that. But what it really is 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 that a bad no, thing? no, because we're missing those stars. We're missing that character element, and through yeah. him, you're getting that late 90s, early 2000s wrestling megastar, and I think it's awesome. I know we didn't even have him on our list of people to talk about, but, man, you know, whose game is it? Oh, we should, ha- we should have him on our, we should have him yeah, on our exactly list. Yeah, exactly right. Because um, the, the dude is, yeah, he is really, like, they should be strapping the rocket to him, mm-hmm. I agree. Um, I can't help but wonder whether they're intentionally doing the Stone Cold thing with, where... Where, where I think they're engineering what naturally happened with Austin. Like, it wasn't a planned thing with Austin where they held him down and didn't give him opportunity, and then finally they did, and he proved yeah. himself. I think they're engineering that at the moment, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. No, look, if it leads to him... It's the same thing we're seeing in NXT at the moment with um, Shawn Michaels repurposing old things and making it, rehashing it. It, works. Yeah, it, it does. And I, I don't know, I guess that when it comes to LA Knight, I see a future for him. I know he's older. I know he's in his, he's 40, but man, Cody is too, right? Close enough to it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and if you can strap the rocket to someone like Cody, who, you know, he's got personality, but he doesn't have LA Knight personality. Like, there, there is a big difference, and you see him even when he's not booked on shows. They're getting him to go and do dark match stuff, like he, what he did the other day with Hit Row. Like, well, yeah, just a dark. Promo yeah, yeah, he almost. didn't even wrestle last week. He just cut a promo, and it was still the biggest did thing of the night. S- well, I was going to say, you see the uh, numbers it's pulling on YouTube. It was, I think it's like one of the top three videos that have gone out on YouTube in the last two or three yeah, years, which is ridiculous. But. Again, now it's time for the people in charge to either keep doing what and they're doing. And I believe he's the number two most selling movie. It has been going well. up every day. Every single day I look at it. It was number five like four days ago, and I'm pretty sure you're right. I'm pretty yeah. sure it's number two now. So, yeah. Yeah. And look, I think his merch is ugly. <laughs> I'm not buying it. Because I, wouldn't, I wouldn't buy the new year shirt because I just don't like the yep. design. I do like the plain black shirt with the white LA knife yep. on it, though. Yeah. I'd buy that one. Yeah, it, it's, uh, I don't know. Merch for me is weird because I look at that shirt and I just think it's like a repurposed Kevin Owens shirt because it has that. Oh, look, I'm, <laughs> the, I'm also a guy, though, that likes my wrestling merch to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when it comes to Raw, we, we, there's not a whole lot that we have, right? I think there's only one more point that we really have to talk on. Well, look, and it's only, it's, I was going to say, it's the only interesting thing outside of uh, segments that mm-hmm. happened is the fact that DeVille and Green captured the Women's Tag Team Championships, uh, which, and it's DeVille's third run with the title, I believe, with a different tag. Yeah, and look, let's not forget as well the real winner out of all of it, and that is the fact that Matt Cardona is now half of the Women's Tag Team Championship because everything in marriage... He's one half of one half. He's one half of one half of the Women's Tag Team Championship. And I love that he is presenting that belt at press conferences as well. That makes me very happy. Well, he was actually wearing the the Women's Women's Championship championship at DDT. 
Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> I Look, side note, we haven't got him on our notes either, but I do think that his greatest work has been on the uh, yeah. Indies. And I do actually hope one day we see him back in WWE, and I hope it's Matt Cardona we see in WWE, not Zach. Yeah, I, I love the guy. Um, uh, his, I do still think his greatest work was um, with GCW when he was mm-hmm. the champ, and he redeveloped their World Heavyweight Championship into the Universal <laughs> title and made it a spinner with Velcro. And... Yeah, no, look, he's he's excellent, and I would love to see him come back. Like, I, I, I just... You, you can't, you cannot go back to Zack Ryder at this point. Like it, it would be such a disservice. No, Zach's dead. Yeah, Zach, Zach died the moment uh, Kane pushed him off. Oh the, uh, man! I think that it would be cool if they did play O Radio when he came back, though, and then like maybe showed the little hand symbol on the screen and then just destroyed it somehow. And you know, he, yeah, just to get the pop of people who know. Yeah. I want to hear that song one more time as well. Like selfishly, I think it'd be cool. (laughs) But yeah, then definitely something completely different because he's just done leaps and bounds. Like he's absolutely a completely different wrestler now. And yeah, Yeah. he deserves a push too. He's another guy that I'd love to see back doing all of these things. And the more I say that, the less room we have for anybody else on the shows. But that is the problem with fantasy booking, I suppose. (laughs) Hey, look, Tony's making it work. Oh, mate. I can't <laughs> don't even get me started on that. Oh, it's like having all your favorite toys and then you play with a bunch but what happens to the rest of them? They end up at the bottom of your toy box, don't they? So mm-hmm. Exactly. All right, moving right along. Uh NXT this week. Um surprised that I've actually got NXT on this list. If you'd asked me a week ago if we'd be talking about NXT on the pod on the first podcast, I would have said no. <laughs> Don't even watch it. But uh, this week I did watch it uh, because we had uh, Judgment Day on the show, all over the show, by the way. Um, And um, the one thing that I wanted to talk about, my big talking point from this, is we had uh, Dominic Mysterio take on Wesley. Uh, If you don't know by now, he won the North American Championship, which I don't have a problem with. I think it's a... It's going to be amazing. He's already defended it on SmackDown. Um, it's no issue at all with him having it. Um, however, there was one spot in there that the internet lit up a wee bit about. Uh, even a couple of podcasts that I watched, um, people got ridiculously angry about it. But as a ex-pro mm-hmm. wrestler yourself, or as a pro wrestler yourself, uh, I'm really interested to hear your yeah. take on this. And basically, as there was the one spot... Dom flips um, wears over his shoulder and it looks rough. Um, the people have basically been saying Dom is a dangerous wrestler. He's going to hurt somebody, um, and he shouldn't be getting titles and being put in at the spot if he's a dangerous wrestler. However, in my opinion, this is the first super dangerous spot I've seen from him. So what do you think? Do you think it's just a bad spot? All right. Just an accident? Or do you think he's a dangerous Look, I think that Dom, when Dom first showed up in the company, I think that he wasn't ready to be in the spot that he was on. But But in saying that, during that time, it was during the pandemic, we were in the um, the dome. The Thunderdome. The Thunderdome, where they could hide a lot of... And look, that's the thing. 
The only thing they couldn't hide was how bad he was. Yeah, and you know he's come a long <laughs> way from there. And I have to tell you, looking at the spot because I've actually got it up right now on screen, and I've done this. I, I have. I have a hundred percent done this. And I guarantee you, there's a large percentage of wrestlers on the indies who have done almost this exact same thing. Now, it looks like he's gone for something. Like he's he probably had exactly what he's done in mind for what to do. Now, Wesley, it looks like because Wesley is not exhibiting anything but a back suplex in this motion. Like everything that you would do motion wise is a back suplex. You know, he's he's covering, he's got his arm over, he's lifting the other one to take the bump. Everything about it. It looks like he's yeah, tucked his everything chin about as well. it looks like pretty much what you would do in every match. Now, Dom has felt the shift in his body. Like he's lifted him up and he's felt the shift of the of the rotation there. And you can see he tries to put him down safely. There's no he doesn't just release him. Like he's turning with him. He's trying to keep him safe. He knows right there at the start of it that something's wrong. Like I think that this is the yeah. internet being way way too heavy-handed on this. I think that uh, this is almost a part, part and parcel part of wrestling is, is that invariably at some point, wherever you are, you're going to fuck something up. That's way too heavy handed from this, from the wrestling fans in general, I think on this one, um, because at the end of the day, he, he's done everything he can to keep him safe and it's just gone wrong. And that happens. Look, it happens. Like, I, I think, look, somebody else in Dom's career, in- uh, was it who's entered wrestling and been in wrestling as long as Dom mm-hmm. has normally would have only had 20 people in the at ringside watching him yeah. make this mistake? Yeah, but yeah, honestly, right? like uh, the big difference is Dom is two years into wrestling and he's on the biggest show, yeah, in the world. <laughs> And so he's got the biggest audience watching him make this mistake. Back during the pandemic, we didn't know how much time Ray had left, like Ray Mysterio had left as far as being a wrestler goes. And if he wanted to have his moments with his boy, you know, at Mania, in tag team matches, all that kind of stuff, he really wanted to push that. That's one of the reasons why he came back, you know. So, uh, yeah, I think that you really have to look at the whole picture when it comes to Dom. And I think that he has come so far in the last couple of years. Like, he is... Oh, look, and he's the biggest heel in the WWE. Holy shit. I did not expect me to enjoy him coming into an arena. He can't talk. Like, he cannot speak at all on the microphone. And it's a good thing because I do still think he's a terrible promo, right? So he's managed to find a way of hiding the fact that he's a bad promo by the fact that he doesn't have to talk right now. All he has to do is open his yep. mouth and the crowd just yep. does their thing. Yeah, and obviously having having the rest of the Judgment Day there to cover up for that, it, it is an asset to yep. the entire stable. Uh, so, yeah, as it, as it relates to this, I think that that's just a little bit silly. Like, it, it could have happened to anyone. It has happened to people before. There have been worse, worse botches than this on a daily basis, even in the big companies. You know, you could go to AEW, I'm sure, pretty much any week and find a similar, if not worse, bump. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I, I just I just don't get the hate when it comes to this one. I understand it looks messy, but at the same time, no one got hurt. Everyone's safe. 
It's okay. Um, the other thing uh, that I did want to discuss when it comes to NXT is Baron Corbin is currently in NXT. Um, I've actually been a fan of his work over the last few years. Uh, I know a lot of people have been hating on him. I liked the gimmick of him changing his name. I've, I loved. Uh, was it poor? Happy Corbin? I can't the name he was going on. No, there was Happy Corbin, and then there was like the poor broke Corbin. I liked down on his like Corbin. Um, I like Lucky Corbin, like all of it, right? Uh, but right now, he's gone back to NXT. He's doing this whole thing of him burning his um, all of his old gimmicks. Come, he came face-to-face with himself this week. Is NXT the right place for him? Well, right I now? think that it's the best place for him right now. I, I didn't hate any of the other ancillary gimmicks that he was doing. I, I felt that he was better than them, though, and that's the problem, is, is that I felt that... He had a lot more to offer wrestling than being a guy who wore a stupid hat and had lots of money. And, you know, yeah. when he got dressed down by JBL, I'm like, okay, well, that's it. Like, so long. You're about... I didn't like the J... I, I thought JBL... No, and honestly, he didn't. Like, the whole thing was just a complete misstep, I think. I think the best place for him to develop back into a threat and back into the kind of wrestler that he needs to be is NXT because, you know, obviously you have your lone wolf era, Baron Corbin. I remember the end of days being the most disgustingly brutal move. I remember it, like, being impossible to kick out of. And well, it, was, it wasn't kicked out of until this year, was it? Like, for all of his bad fucking gimmicks that he has had over the last few years, at least they protected yeah. that move. Yeah, but... When he gets to hit it, and that's the problem, is is that when he gets to win matches. And I would love to see Corbin just go on a fucking tear. I would just love to see him. It doesn't even matter if they take him back to, like, you know, the Braun Strowman kind of beat-up local jobber Mm -hmm. thing for a while. Like, I don't even care if they do that. But he needs to be redeveloped. And, yeah, he needs to be built back up to a point where he can actually be a threat again because there is a spot for him, I think, when it comes to, you know the higher end of the card but yeah i think i think he's definitely got potential of being up mm-hmm. mid yeah absolutely like if jinder mahal can be the champion surely surely we can be in a sport where baron corbin can be as well absolutely <laughs> um but in saying that baron corbin um he is actually having an amazing feud mm-hmm. right now uh, and it's not even the one that he's having on NXT. Uh, his one of his best rivalries is currently happening right now as we speak on TikTok. Uh, I don't know if you've been following this at all, uh, but uh, there's a TikToker called uh, Chef Reacts. Um, he's basically built his entire uh, TikTok up on uh, reacting to two things. One is bad chefs, uh, bad cooking on TikTok, uh, which is always hilarious. The other one is he's built it up on reacting to amazing chefs on TikTok, like the the French pastry mm-hmm. pastier. Um, basically, he watches him and just hates his life after watching him because he's that dude's so good. But then out of nowhere in the last couple of months, he's just started going at Baron Corbin. So good. Because Baron Corbin does these TikToks of himself cooking, and basically he's just going on there saying, like, uh, what is it, that steak, it's nice and rare, about as rare as uh, a Baron Corbin title reign. <laughs> uh, you know, it's all sorts of things. And like, and it took a while before Corbin started biting, but Corbin's now actually started 
biting back at him and they're going back and forth and it's actually uh, look it's good to see that uh in an era where people get fired for their choices of social media content that they produce that you can actually get some good out of it you know so i think that Baron Corbin's doing a, a good thing, kind of like what Zach did uh, with the oh, – sorry, Matt now. Zach is dead. We've established that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But Zach Ryder, when, during the, the true Hollywood true stories Hollywood. thing, like he took yeah. a situation where he wasn't getting used on the show and no one gave a shit and it. it created this massive thing where they had to take note of him and they had to stand up. And whilst I, now whilst I don't think that – you know, Baron Corbin's cooking class is going to give him quite the same effect. It will, however, show a human side to him that people can relate to. So, Oh, yeah, and I, I think him going in and continuing this rivalry with Chef X is going to show actually a humorous yeah. side yeah, to him. Yeah, absolutely. That's not, that's not pushing a gimmick as such. It's just actually genuinely showing. Yeah, just him as a person. And we don't get enough of that because everyone, especially in this this era, is you're either allowed to be the social media person and talk online and appear everywhere or you're not at all. Don't even think about it. And, yeah, uh, yeah it's good to see that even though Baron Corbin's probably one of those people that would not normally be allowed to have a personality on the internet that through expressing everything through the food and the cooking, like he's able to build up a little bit more of a rapport with the audience, which I think is great. So Yeah, absolutely. Um, right, this moves us on to AEW, which, um, look, I'm going to admit still I'm probably a bigger AEW guy uh, at the moment, um, but... In saying that, like I said earlier, WWE has definitely pulled me back in with a lot of stuff. Uh, but Dynamite this week, a lot happened on this week's show. And I feel like this happens a lot on Dynamite, where they squeeze so much into this two hours. Um, Jungle Boy, his whole situation, I have a lot of opinions on Jungle yeah, Boy right. right now. Yeah, I'd like to hear them. Go on. Uh, so I feel like Jungle Boy is a bad um, MJF. Uh, he's they're basic. He's basically attempting to rehash a lot of MJF's mannerisms and stylings, and not doing as good a job of it. Uh, the look he's got at the moment is basically his dad's character from Nine Hundred Two One Zero, which I don't know <laughs> if that's intentional, but he 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 looks like Dylan yeah. from Nine Hundred Two One Zero. There's. Whole, like a early 90s cool guy vibe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, of course, on the show he came out and he defeated Hawk for the FTR Championship. I don't know what it is about Jungle Boy. I don't okay. get it. Okay. I, and I didn't, get, I didn't get it when he was doing the full Jungle Boy gimmick. I'm glad the Jungle Boy gimmick looks like yep. it's dying um, because I just didn't get the Jungle Boy mm-hmm. gimmick at all. Um but this new gimmick, he's gonna still got a lot of work to sell me on this gimmick. He's he's basically a combination right now of a bad version of MJF mixed with Christian Cage's mm-hmm. bad guy, gimmick. which I think is just untouchable. Christian Cage's bad guy gimmick at the moment. So yeah, if you want to emulate anyone, you go after something as big as that. But you can't do it if you're on the same show, and that where I think is yeah, exactly. where the issue lies is because you've got these two enormously important personalities on the show that have everything to do with the show pretty much and then you're trying to emulate that so yeah i agree i think that it's uh it's a little bit tired 
and it it's, it makes me a little bit tired. I think the Jungle Boy idea yeah. when, you know, obviously the whole prehistoric gimmick with, like, Luchasaurus and everything, I thought that that it had merit, it had legs, if not a little bit too cartoony for me, but... Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll make sense. Maybe at this point it's just a wait and see kind of deal. Maybe it is yeah, a little yeah. cook. Yeah. But at this point, I'm just not sure because again, it just feels like feels like he's trying to be Johnny Cage. You know, like just feels like mm-hmm. he's trying to be yep. a Hollywood bad boy. And you know, we've already got one of those. So you know, I don't think we need any more of them. Oh, the other thing I do want to bring up as well is I think his new entrance music is fucking dogs balls. He's coming out to Beethoven's yeah, face. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't scream bad guy. It doesn't, I don't know. It's also, you've had Tony paying really good money for him to have licensed music for the last two or three years, and now all of a sudden you've gone, you know, you get the free stock music now. But it's not even cool free yeah. stock music. <laughs> yeah, that's a big problem. It, it really is because when you're when you're trying to repackage someone, like when has anyone ever gotten worse theme music when they've been repackaged that wasn't the right to censor? You know, like it's it, yeah. it's really really rare for that to happen. And it, like using Beethoven, it kind of doesn't match what the gimmick is if the gimmick is what we perceive it to be. Yeah. There, there was also a missed opportunity, in my opinion, as well. This is just purely my own uh, opinion on this, though, is there was the the video package before the match, which was uh, clearly trying to show Jungle Boy burying the old Jungle Boy gimmick in the desert. Uh, a limo pulls up, and I genuinely thought the limo window was going to open, and it was going to be Christian in there. And that might have... Look, if they'd done that... It might have tied together what he's yes. doing with what Christian's doing and almost could have done the, see, this is what I was, you're finally seeing what I was trying Even to do. Even if they went their separate ways after it, you know, like just like a way to say, look, yeah, yeah. now you get it, and then just drive off and leave him in you the desert. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like they wouldn't have had to do anything more than that, I don't think. So, I mean, yeah. yeah. And considering, obviously, Christian's current storyline and what's going on with Christian, like that would make complete sense. I I do I do love that he is one half of the um, TV. No, he is the champion. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh, TNT champion. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I, I I do love it. I yeah. think it's hilarious. Uh, I'm going to jump our next note and come back to that. But Jericho yes. and Callus are they? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Like they're they're teasing as if they are, but they're teasing as if they are in such a way that makes me think that they're not. Like. It is so obviously drawn out that it can't be. Yeah. Like it would almost be disappointing. I think ending, I think ending JAS mm-hmm. is a good thing. I think JAS has run its course. I also think though, uh, Jericho having a stable has run its his entire time. Pretty much in AEW, he has been the head of a stable, um, and I think it's time to let Jericho. Do what he does best, and that is repackage himself, uh, come up with something else that he'll get over, which will be absolutely mm-hmm. ridiculous. And in a year's time, we'll go, I can't believe he managed to get that over because uh, he's amazing at it. But have him doing Do you think own. that there is a bit of hesitance from Jericho's side to stand on his own feet away from stables? Having seen the way that he's responded 
pretty much to every opportunity in AEW being as part of a big group. I, I don't think it's that. I think Jericho genuinely has taken his role in AEW behind the scenes very seriously. Uh, when he came, first came in, he knew he was the big name, the first big name to jump ship to AEW. Um, I think he genuinely takes his role as being the veteran that is helping bring other people up with him as being his role and I think the best way to do that has been via um but how do you take the criticism that he um has spent a lot of time burying the talent that he's been in matches with as it relates to that then I just think that's part of wrestling I this is what I think because I mean he's not he's uh he's still the veteran he still has to realistically be seen as a guy that is at the level he's at because he's good at what he does uh not just on the mic but in the ring uh but in saying that because of that i think at the moment the whole being in stables for the last three years has doing damage to that because he getting out on his own like he's proven like his whole time in japan being on his own he can go I'm glad to hear it. As much as me being on this show helps you get a wrestler's perspective, sometimes it's nice to hear what a fan's perspective is as well. So just to Absolutely. see how you take criticism from other fans as well as the way that the booking appears to be going and just kind of how it actually makes you feel because we don't really get that. We get a general consensus on the internet of boo, fuck you, you know, pitchforks and that's kind of it. Yeah. So we never really get like that interactive, like one-to-one, like this is the thing that's being presented to you. How do you perceive it? So for me, it's really interesting to hear yeah. that. And I agree with you entirely because I think Jericho can do very little wrong. I think Jericho has been the best at what he does for such a long time that and dudes dudes looking oh yeah it's it's, it's well. kind of ridiculous at his age like he's looking you look at what he looked like two years ago and yeah. look at the man no, now he is in tremendous shape he is still one of the smartest one of the most intricate thinking wrestlers that there is and uh yeah, yeah. i i'm happy to hear that uh, that that's the perspective that you've taken because it means that like he's doing all of the right stuff. So I do think it's time for him to be on his own. Absolutely. Uh, and I do sincerely hope that it's not going to be Jericho with Callis as manager moving forward. Yeah. I, I wonder if the Callis thing might actually be a bit of a mm-hmm. red herring and Jericho staying heel. Like I think the Callis thing's a way of getting him away from yeah. The stable, shutting down the stable, having JAS go off and do their own thing. Because almost all of those guys could go off yes. and do their own thing. The only one that I do worry about is um, Old Mate with the Purple um, Oh, shit. We the people. The most, yeah, yeah, <laughs> the most forgettable WWE. <laughs> ja- yeah, I was going to say the most forgettable WWE yeah. champion of all time. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. See, I almost forgot he was even on the show until you brought him up. Exactly, right? I think he's the only one who would suffer from not being connected with um, Yeah, because there's no connection, for me at least, with the audience. Exactly. Um, Only thing I know about the dude is that he likes his hat. Uh, But I I, I do wonder if the callous thing is a way of getting him away from it, but then we're going to actually get a thing where Jericho's going to turn face 
and we haven't seen face Jericho for a long time, and we know he can yeah, do a good job. Yeah, no, absolutely. I um, the only issue that I find with JAS separation is is that we already have so many fucking people on the roster that when you separate a large group like that and they all go their separate ways, that's just adding more people to the roster. And I worry that some may get left in the shuffle. And you're so. right. Now, uh, MJF, yes. Adam Cole. I fucking love this story. <laughs> um, look, I'm a, I'm a mark for MJF. I think he's the best heel in the business, has been for a long time, and he's so good at what he does while being so corny and old school yes. at the same time like is he believable no no not I don't even think slightly he but he's so good that i just am so entertained by him as a bad guy but watching him play the role of trying to be a good person learning how to be a friend um trying to convince cole that he wants this to be a tag team that works watching cole actually come over to the idea of it as well and then the build up to them doing the most basic double team move ever but getting it over has been genius like they haven't just been doing this on uh AEW television this has crossed over to twitch yeah i saw that like they're like he's uh mjf's been giving uh cole phone calls while he's yeah. live on twitch and Hey, buddy, I just wanted to have a chat, check up on you. Did you want to go out this weekend? By the way, I wanted to have a talk to you about uh, doing this double clothesline. Like, most of the selling of the double clothesline hasn't actually been on the show. It's ridiculous. And obviously, I think the entire AEW fan base is just waiting for that sword of Damocles to drop. And, like, everyone's waiting for the moment where where obviously he turns and but at the same time I think there's a a real feeling of please don't do that like I please I please don't want to see I, it right now I just want to see them be stupid and have fun I I'd like to see them go off in a different direction than that I fear that they're going to build this to MJF versus Adam Cole at all in uh which is only a month away and we still don't have any details on being able to buy yep. the pay-per-view yet we have no matches booked, and it's the biggest wrestling yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Imagine that. Like full credit to AEW for pulling that off. But imagine Mania a month out uh, and no matches are booked. Like, isn't that just crazy? Yeah. I have no doubt that Tony knows exactly what he's doing. Um, but Tony has a way of waiting until the eleventh hour before he pulls the trigger on things. Like he's he has pulled off some of the best Ring of Honor pay per views in the last year which we'll get to later. But in the last year, some of these Ring of Honor pay-per-views have been amazing mm-hmm. with zero build. And that's the thing is because, like, in, especially for the Ring of Honor side of things, he's just letting the wrestling speak for itself. And he does the same on AEW as well, like minimal backstage segments. A lot of the storytelling is told in the ring. Um, I, I like to say that AEW is a wrestling show about wrestling. And WWE is a show about making a wrestling show. Yeah, and look, it, it does translate through because, you know, you can... How many matches do you reckon on an average Dynamite? Oh, eight. Because they squeeze a lot yeah, of... Yeah, and you conversely hours. say for a WWE show like Raw or SmackDown, you're probably looking at three, maybe four, like, and that's yep. it. Once upon, a, once upon a time, it was around 50% wrestling, 50% 
segments. It's obviously a lot of it is told in the ring, which I think is great. It, it harkens to a WCW slash ECW era of wrestling to me in yep. the sense that yep. it's all the stories are being told and they are good stories, but they're all being told within the ropes. Um, right. This brings us to the main event. Uh, main event, of course, the BCC versus the Golden Elite. Um, and this was Blood and Guts, Matt. Um, now, I am going to say this. I am not a death Yes, match yeah. yeah. We've spoke about that. I'm not a big deathmatch guy. Um, I don't know if deathmatches belong on mainstream wrestling. In saying that, I'm not anti-deathmatch either. It's just one of those things that I personally think bleeding is good when it's used to emphasize something. Um not when Mox is in the ring every single time. <laughs> Look, but that is the general consensus when it comes to Mox. Uh, unfortunately, he's in a situation now where he almost can't not bleed every show because, well, for one, his forehead will not allow him to not bleed. But yeah, it's paper. Yeah. But for two, it's yeah. almost become expected. And like deathmatch to me is interesting because I've got some I've got some pretty good ties to deathmatch wrestling. I've I think that death matches can work, but they really need to be a feud ender. They really need to be like a major blow off. It needs to be something significant on the line and they need to have mm. effect. You know, for me, looking back at some of my favorite matches of all time, if I look at WWE matches, like I still go back to Triple H versus Cactus Jack at the Royal Rumble. Like that match. Mm-hmm had all the elements of a deathmatch style, you know. There was thumbtacks, there was barbed wire, there was brutality, there was fake barbed wire, thank you, Triple H. But the the whole thing yep. sold a story that was months long, like months yep. and months long. It had careers on the line. It had importance, weight, girth. And my issue with deathmatches when they're at the end of a one-month feud is that they just it just seems like bullshit for the sake of bullshit. And, yeah, I just yeah. – whilst I like Deathmatch and whilst I, I do enjoy seeing, like, true violence, there is definitely a time and place for it because if you do it all the time, it just doesn't have the same effect. You know, it's it's when everybody yeah. is super, no one is. Like, that. that's really what it is. So, yeah. Yeah. Oh, exactly, right? And so someone actually asked me the other day, uh, obviously it was someone who's a WWE fan, not an AEW fan. Um, I was tweeting about um, the Blood and Guts match, and they were saying, what's a Blood and Guts match? Isn't that just war games? And I was like, it's war games slash deathmatch. It's taking the war games format and adding violence. And I'm not sure this was the right place for Kota Ibushi. Yeah, I mean, considering just the stature of Ibushi as a wrestler, and yeah, like I like I've been wanting Ibushi and um, Omega reunion as much as everybody else, but I've wanted it to mean something because their story is so long and is one of the master classes in storytelling. Right, like they, their their connection is more than friendship, and it translates to the ring. Like you can see it every single time they're in the ring together, and yeah, it it, it felt a little shoehorned to me, like yeah. a little bit thrown together because we need some special thing to happen here. But I don't know if that yeah. was Ibushi for me. I 
I genuinely think that the moment to bring in Ibushi was actually when we were starting to see issues in the elite when um uh what is it? it was actually when Callis was like bringing in other people and we were starting to see or it could have even been when they brought in um Jay White because they did the whole hey you know Kenny doesn't like Jay yeah you know, there's all these things and we could have I don't know I feel like it needed to be a thing where it was something playing with those emotional elements of uh, the elite and the mistrust that they sort of have there with each other at times and you needed to have Ibushi coming in as a saviour for Omega whether that was a saviour that he wanted you know there's other ways there's other so many emotional stories that they could have told there and I feel like when it comes to Omega and Ibushi emotion is a massive part of the story they've been telling for the last 20 years i think it is look i i totally agree and you know for me the elite hasn't run its course yet like as a stable because for me is there a better wedge in all of wrestling than abushi you know like if you want a catalyst for the elite's separation and for the end of the elite there's nothing better than abushi for that i don't think so yeah, it, it's it's interesting. It feels a little bit ham-fisted. But again, you know, you've said it before, as Tony has a way. So I guess it's one of those things yep. where we just got to see how it plays out. Yeah, look, and, and I may be a typical wrestling fan and having an opinion on something before it's played out. Uh, but look, give it some time. I'd, my concern is there is rumours that Ibushi may not be sticking around. But I've also heard conflicting rumours that you know, he has signed on to be around for three months or something. Um, I've, I have no doubt that they plan on keeping around for All In. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, they, they, they need some big names to sell those final few tickets uh, for All In. I'm so oh, yeah. If there are any tickets <laughs> left, like, at all. So my understanding is they've got the ability to uh, sell another 30,000 yeah, wow. tickets. But they're also something like thirty thousand tickets ahead of where yeah. they thought. They yeah, were. No, it is unreal. That is going to be a this massive is their WrestleMania. show. This is their this is their flagship WrestleMania. Like this is this is the point where everyone stops and takes notice. So they either have to kill yeah. it completely, which I'm sure they will, or it'll be a really bad day the next day. So and and they've got all out literally something like two weeks later. Now, there was something that happened uh, in the ring after the show stopped. Um, and I see the note that you've put in here. You've actually gone as far as calling it potentially a curtain. Yeah, it was just the way that it... Let's well, speak more it was the that. way that it was presented because obviously they had all just had this match together, you know, this big death match. And, and then all of a sudden at the end of it, I saw a video clip for no reason at all of Abushi just like taking a flat bump in thumbtacks and not selling it and just like getting up and waving to the fans. And it was, it was really, really weird the way that they kind of just were playing in the ring after the show. And obviously I think it's the visual of them all like standing around and hugging each other that really brought me back to that curtain call vibe and that curtain call time because yeah. it's it's what it it's what it felt like obviously it doesn't have the same implications you know the elite aren't leaving to go to raw or anything like that but there there was there was 
a speech after the match though where uh, Omega has said I will I'm going to be staying with these two guys pointing towards the Bucks wherever they end up I know that I know they're implying a lot there but I also don't yeah I think they... that might be like real in real life clickbait um I, I think yeah. that that might be because the, the rumor mill has already started well before this uh, in the weeks leading up to this match, the the rumor mill has kind of gone crazy, particularly because of Punk's reemergence. I think so. A lot of people mm-hmm. are uh, of the mindset that once their contracts are done, they'll be gone, and where else would they go? But the big, 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 big boy stage, and the inference yep. that Omega would go with them, and that's kind of where this whole curtain call thing comes into play but again i think it be it may be another red herring like they are they all know exactly what they're doing in a cage match hugging each other after a show like everybody knows what that means and whether that's a subtle like jab at tony or not but hey the cameras were rolling still so you know look at the end of the day again who knows but that was the vibe that i got um man there is so much wrestling going on every week now um and i'm the reason I say this is because next up on my list is this week's mm-hmm. SmackDown, and I'm genuinely, genuinely have nothing to say about it because I did not watch <sighs> this week's SmackDown, which is funny because um, I usually will at least tune in to see what's happening with the Bloodline story because that's some of the best storytelling I've seen in years. Literally, the only thing I know is what I've seen on Twitter, and is that's um, uh, that. Um, Heyman caught a boot, and that might have even been awful. <laughs> All right. Well, you know, lucky I'm here because I've got some stuff for you. So essentially with the Bloodline stuff, what happened was is that they had a contract signing uh, between Jay and Roman, and they got down to the ring and they started to fill in the contract. Roman and Jay had a bit of back and forth and Roman cracked again because Jay makes him laugh all the time. But essentially Roman signed the contract first after saying, you know, is this what you really want, etc. And then Jay tore the contract up and he said, no, we're not doing this. This is, is going to be a trial by tribal con- uh, combat. So essentially the match itself now is under bloodline rules and it's Roman took off he took off all of the all the gear what's it called the the wreath uh he took that off and they shook hands and then as as jay went to leave solo grabbed him by the arm and went to give him the someone spike roman stopped him and roman yep. stopped solo and he's like no now that tribal combat has been invoked we can't do that because we have to respect the elders and then as he was saying that he copped a boot from Jay. Solo copped a boot from Jay, leaving Roman and Jay in the ring to stare off to close the show. So essentially it's it's essentially taking the contract and throwing it in the bin because the contract is written in the blood now of the family. So uh, it, it adds another layer to the whole thing and it kind of establishes yep. the fact that this is a real family matter now. I wouldn't mind seeing the Wild Samoans and Rikishi show up for the show and just have them sitting uh, just to, to view the whole yep. the whole fight. And essentially what it means now is that Almost the belt judge. and the tribal chief uh, title are both on the line. The title. So, so, so um, I don't want to be that dickhead, but um, the wreath is called... Uh, okay, uh, good, because I don't know that. And I'm, I'm happy that you do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> 
I, I say that because it bugs me every time I hear somebody call it a lei. And a lei, a lei is Hawaiian. Uh, to ulafala, it's yeah, it, it's got significance in Samoan culture. Um, and I think one thing I'll say about the bloodline story is it's been a beautiful way of being able to include someone or Pacifica culture into a storyline without it being an offensive display of it so if you look at the head shrinkers and all those sort of things back in the day which was was cool someone's being treated like they're machines and absolute monsters in the ring because i don't know if you've ever come face to face with an angry Samoan, but they are scary but in saying that um it's always been very culturally insensitive so it's been a beautiful way of seeing uh pacifica culture displayed um and right down to the implications of you know we look after the whole family it's a very true sentiment there's usually um in Samoan culture there's a big culture of the person that's gone away and is making money in another country sending money back to the island um, which I think is the implication they're giving with the whole head of the table thing. I'm, I'm the breadwinner. I'm the person that feeds our family. And I think that's where we're going to get to eventually with Dwayne. Um, because, I mean, let's be honest, who's the real head of the table? Well, that yeah, family? and that, that's, that's a really easy story to tell once Roman loses the belt. I don't think he's going to lose it here. Exactly. Uh, I, I think that Cody's still the guy, but I think that... Yeah, I think that Cody's still the guy. But I do think that this adds a really interesting layer to the story. And what it means for Jay after this, because losing this match is going to be pretty significant, what it means for the Usos in in general after this, I'm not too sure. I think that we will have to see the end of Solo's allegiance with Reigns probably at this show as well. But... Because uh, I, I think we're really starting to stretch it thin now. We're really starting to get to the nitty-gritty. It's, uh, it is starting to get to the point where I think we need to see the bloodline disassembled completely, um, like you're saying. Like, Solo choosing sides with his brothers is going to be an easy story to tell, especially if Kishi is sitting up on stage as well. Beautiful way of doing it. No, absolutely. Like having Rikishi there and having all of his boys reunite, it'll be amazing. Uh, I can't wait to see Heyman be the guy who we all know Heyman is and attach himself to somebody else that makes him look better. Uh, because let's be honest, he's brilliant at what he does. Uh, but his character is he's that cancerous lawyer that attaches himself to whoever's... I mean, I think most. that will come when he is... It's just him and Roman. And I think then the seeds of, like... Because Roman will become a paranoid mess. That's my, my thought for it, is that once yep. his family are gone, he'll become a paranoid mess. And he will push Paul to the point where he's looking for someone else and he'll find someone else and that will be a tipping point for Roman, in which case we'll probably see, like, a, a pure psycho for a while and and then from there we will continue to advance until, I guess... Here's a thought I thought that I just had. For a long time I thought we'd, what we'd see would be uh, Heyman go back to Brock. But... The thought I just had is they've been sowing the seeds for a while of Heyman and uh, Cody's family history. 
does Heyman turn face and go Cody, or does he go to Cody and turn mm. Cody? Heel? Oh man, Cody is a heel. See, because I know there was. I haven't seen Cody work heel. No, well. and I know that there was a big issue with Cody and heel turning in AEW. If we're going to talk about that, I actually think we missed out on seeing that story play its course. I think he knew exactly what he was doing. I think because he was, I, I think he was doing the Homelander gimmick. We were all giving him shit about being Homelander. I think he was actually playing to that. Where Homelander is the good guy, but he's not, right? And I think that was actually the gimmick he was playing towards. I think that story was yet to play its course when his contract expired. Yeah, look, and look, I think you're right too. And I, I don't know if I would like to see him as managed by Paul, but I would like to see Roman's paranoia at the thought. I think that would be really interesting. Yeah. And that that could be it, right? It could be a thing where he's trying to attach himself or insinuating that he's going to attach himself to Cody and that plays to the paranoia. This is such a cool story to tell. Um, I, I I think the Bloodline story still has legs, but I don't think it has legs the way it is at the moment. And that, But look, watch it play out. Like, I'm letting this one cook. It's been so good that we would do a disservice to ourselves to do anything but watch it play out from this point onwards. So They've proven, they've proven they can do it, right? We've been watching the story for coming on two years now. In other news, as we're talking about SmackDown, just to give a quick recap, Dom Mysterio defended the North American Championship on SmackDown, so that was cool to see. Uh, he beat uh, Butch, ugh, which I still hate to say. He beat Pete Dunne, and that's all there is to it. Yep. Um, we also had the biggest disappointment of the night from a fan perspective, and that is the LA Knight had a chance to be part of the universe, so the United States Invitational, and did not win. So he was in a, a four-way to get a shot at the belt and lost to Rey Mysterio. So... Which sucks yeah. ass. Yeah, we're at a- <laughs> because I don't. I I like the LWO. It's a throwback to something I was a fan of in WCW that was arguably treated as a joke in WCW, um, uh, and Ray actually wasn't a part of the LWO in WCW, which is ironic. Um, but we're putting LWO versus LWO. What are we breaking this thing up? before it's even really had a chance to be a thing. Like, I don't see that. I don't see this as a good thing on either side. LA Knight should be in that I mean, he's got it. He's the one to even be if he was, Even if he was going to lose. Well, even if he was going to lose. The but he shot. needs. But I would have loved yeah, to have seen him I, I, I honestly think that if Theory's going to lose to someone, because Theory's pretty universally hated, there's never any, like, spatterings of cheering for Theory. And the title reign has been fairly lacklustre. Even being given some really. Been. I don't get. Theory's another one I don't get. I don't understand how they saw him as being yeah, an Xena. Yeah. And look, they've given him plenty of big matches, you know, inclusive of Cena. Yeah. And yeah, it just hasn't it hasn't landed at all. So for me, LA Knight's the guy to take that away from him. But obviously now we're back waiting to see what happens with that. So and that is the most disappointing yeah. part for me for SmackDown. The rest of it was pretty great. Um yeah, it it was it was a decent enough show. So 
But like you said, there is so much wrestling at the moment that it's just crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I guarantee you every week I'm going to miss one of these shows or two if you include Rampage because I've got in my notes here, Rampage happened. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I know that they had a Royal Rumble on there or a Rampage Rumble. I don't know what it was for. I don't haven't seen anything happen from it uh the only thing i have seen from it is uh ethan page apparently uh got a pretty good spot in there and i think ethan page has got potential to be huge um but i hate his new entrance music i don't know if you've ever watched him on youtube um he's probably he's probably the most consistent thing i watch outside oh, wow. of wrestling media that's connected to wrestling so um that's made by a wrestler i watch his uh toy hunt videos weekly he's winding those down at the moment but uh he's he's got his own theme song on his youtube channel that should be his (laughs) song on the show it's great it's a song about him called uh, and it's called ego ego me and my ego it's a brilliant song i highly recommend going checking out his channel and just to check out that song uh there's actually a full music video for the song on his channel as well and that should be his theme song in AEW. that's a that's me going off on a complete no that's good I'm a, I'm a mark for the guy. I'm a mark for him, and look, I'm also a massive mark for Dan Housen, and I hope he gets well soon because I want to see him back on my screen because as much as I love good, serious storytelling in my wrestling, I love You love bullshit. very good, very evil storytelling as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, last mm-hmm. show of the week, uh, AEW Saturday Night Nitro. <laughs> I mean, Collision. I love it so much, though. It's so much more fun than almost everything else on at the moment. Right, so I, I literally have a note here. This show feels so unique. Um, so I, I do have a few notes on this show here. Um, I'm loving how this show is not overbooked. Uh, it's a two-hour show. I think on this week's show we had four big matches. Um, I may be wrong in that, but it didn't feel like they were trying to squeeze as many, as much wrestlers onto the show as possible. Um, they're letting things have a lot of time to cook. Um, the way that they're shooting the show feels different. Even the intro of the show, how it opens every week with a few quick promos from the wrestlers. So you, it's almost like a um, what happened last week, but it's not. It's just like in the first few seconds, you're getting a quick, very quick sort of uh, thing as to what's coming up in the show. Um, the format of the show feels different. But my other thing is every week they're in a different town where the reaction is different. And it's heavily because of the talent who are headlining this show. All right, so CM Punk, we're getting either being booed or cheered in a different town but he's playing to it in that way so is he a good guy is he a bad guy depends and that to me is more realistic because nobody is completely a good person nobody's a complete asshole it depends on who you're surrounded by at the time it depends on the situation and I feel like them being very fluid with the way that they're playing heel and face depending on what town and situation feels more interesting uh it's exactly the same with ftr ftr have been getting mixed reactions depending on where they are mainly because they're attached to punk um and i love the way that they're uh, dealing with the ricky stark situation as well yeah like i just feel like the overall the show seems to be highlighting a bunch of people who either don't fit the mold that they have set for the other show or 
just they just didn't have the spot to let them shine. And it's really, really good to see them yeah. getting a chance to. Like Miro, for example, being able to get out there and do his thing. Like it's yeah. so good to see those guys have another chance, you know, like a proper chance to, to showcase what they can do. So, I mean, House of Black are being uh, highlighted on both shows, but it feels like uh, they're more collision guys. Yeah, I, mean, I think that I read somewhere a report that said that uh, Malachi Black said that he was exclusively aiming to be on collision. So... Yeah, yep. that like I mean, I don't see any problem with that personally. I think that they could really run the show in a lot of ways. Talking about um, House of Black, full respect to Brody King, because before the show, he was in San Diego at Comic Con in the morning all day doing stuff with Jazzwares and a few other different uh, booths at Comic Con, and he still made it to New Jersey on the other side of the continent for collision. Absolutely ridiculous. He would have been knackered absolutely ridiculous could you imagine like doing packs and then going flying all the way back to Perth <laughs> for a rest of the match? yeah look i've done the big the big drives for shows i once when i lived in victoria which is at the bottom of australia for those who don't know i drove 12 hours to sydney which is a little bit almost near the top of the middle of of the country it was a is yep. a 12 a hour drive. drive i got there we set the ring up. Uh, I think there were nine paid for the night. So we wrestled in front of nine people. And then because of all of those things, pissed off, I drove home. <laughs> yeah. Another 12 yeah. hours. So I get it. And I mean, like, at these conventions, you're working as well, right? So he's working all day at San Diego Comic-Con, doing signings, meet and greets, all that sort of shit, and then flying over and wrestling a match. For and look, that shit's exhausting too. Uh, I'll tell you straight up, like being a personality at one of those conventions, I've done it as well. Like I've been on that side of it too. Yeah. That Like you love to meet people, you love to talk to people, but fuck me, is it not exhausting by the end of it? Like, I've, I've spent the last 10 years working gaming conventions and I, I basically like – at these conventions are usually two to three days long. You're working all day, and I am shattered by the end of those days. Yeah, absolutely shattered. And I guess, like that, really speaks to the uh, the passion that goes behind what we do. You know, the fact that King would go from there to there and then still have a match. And you know, big part about the match and everything. I suppose we probably need to talk about that huge piece of news mm-hmm. is Billy Gunn. Is Billy Gunn retiring yeah. is he i mean retiring? as as a wrestler yeah. i will tell you that we hold very few things to our chest like like kayfabe used to be a big one you know we would never have this conversation like any of these conversations really but obviously yeah. that's changed a little bit uh there are a few other things that are fairly important to wrestlers like the old x sign that's a really big one because it's real so if you throw up an x you don't. You don't bring it in. No, you don't. It don't make. It's cafe. not bullshit. Like if someone throws an X up, if a referee throws an X up in a match, it means someone's fucking hurt. Like it's supposed to be serious. Yeah. And the other big one is leaving your boots in the ring. Like when you leave your boots in the ring, it's like a luchador who loses their mask. It is the yep. full stop to the end of a career. And yep. honestly, if it isn't the end for Billy, I will be kind of upset. Uh, even though I think he is doing some of the best work of his life, he looks better than he's ever looked. Um, 
But motherfucker's fifty nine years old, right? Like he's 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 yeah. almost sixty, and well, all the rest of his boys. Yeah, have everybody else is done. Like like everybody else in DX have retired. I think fucking like Sean is definitely done. Uh, Triple H is medically cannot. He's been told he can't. I think yeah. X-Park, other Sean just shaved his head. Um, like X Pac just shaved his head off. He, all of his hair's gone. Yeah, no, but I mean, I think he still does. Sporadic yeah, yeah, like, like like he did Chikara and a couple of like every now and again. Like I think when the uh, the mood takes him, he'll do like an indie here and there. Yeah, as long as he doesn't have to do a Bronco oh, Buster. Oh my god! Because I know that he's prone. He's prone, prone to, to prolapse. Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> he um, one of the only conversations I have ever had with. Oh X-Pac. my god. Was him describing that's that so thing. fucking gross, and like, oh, I just it hurts my bum hole to think about. Like, it really, really does. But like, I did hear him saying he know, wants to be in the Rumble this year as well. Look, I give him give him a final yeah. hurrah. Yeah, sure. I think it's that's a nice little that's a nice easy. Spot uh, you mean him. like at least he's going to be able to go over the top rope, not like old mate Iron Sheik, God rest his soul. Um, or, or, yeah, or top, or top dollar. <laughs> <laughs> Who's about 50 years younger and still can't get over the top row. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, yeah, so you, 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 think hold, you think that the it's still something that you hold as being a yeah. serious Yeah, to me it, it's a serious gesture and because uh, it's, it's important because it, it is really, like, symbolic of the end of an era, like, you know. I, I could see... How would you feel if they're using it as a gesture in an angle where they're genuinely going to eventually end his career? Like it's a, If it leads to it... I'm intending to finish... I'm intending to finish now. Like, he's given the impression that um, this is a, it's over, but it goes on to... A someone else is like, no, like, fuck okay, you, look, you can't end yet, like, and then beats him down. You need to have this last like some, match. Like, like, he comes out and says, look, I, you know, people... People are a bit unsure about what I did at the show. What that, this is what that means. And then as he goes to say, that's it, I'm done. Someone's music hits, you know. And But I think it needs – I was going to say, does it – if it is Billy finally retiring, is this a thing where we need a big star who is going to be amazing? Like, Let's be honest, Billy doing his final match at All In would be fucking dope, right? But is it somebody who's a big star who we haven't seen in AEW? Yeah. Who has a long-standing rivalry with Billy from mm. years ago? I have no idea who that could be, by the way. Or is this an opportunity to do the old school thing and him go out looking at the lights, putting somebody over? What about these boys? Like, I could see credence in that where and, they're like, well, Dad, we came here together. And were you just going to fucking leave without telling us? Like, no, we we got to do this. We to, if this is the last time we ever speak because once you're gone from wrestling, you're dead to me. Like, do they yeah. not have like a match, you know, like a triple threat or something, you know, as a send off? Or does he lift someone it else could, up? It could work. You know? it, uh, look, that could work because. You know, he's got those two other guys, and now with the guns being aligned with Bullet Club Gold, you could seamlessly, 
have Juice in the ring with them. And then just have... And Juice does some amazing if work, If right? this team loses, then that's over. But then he said he's already done, so it's like it would just have to be like a um, like a final curtain. I feel like it needs to be a one-on-one. Yeah, I, I do too. If we, if we are going to have one more match, it needs to be a one-on-one, and I don't think you can do that with the boys because... Yeah, and because invariably if you choose one over the other, then you're going to be pushing one over the other. So... And that's yeah. a problem as well. Yeah, who's your, who's your favorite kid? Who's your favorite son? <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I guess in that sense, I wouldn't be upset with it if it was leading to that specifically. But if it ends up being just a plot device to, you know, push another story forward and he doesn't end up leaving at the end of it, that would piss me off. The problem with that is, though, is, is that I'm part of a very select few people, as in wrestlers, who would be pissed off with that because I don't think the general fan would yeah. give too much of a fuck. Um, I think that yeah. the general fan would be like, okay, cool, that was fun because it was like, oh, he might retire, but then he didn't. But I think that wrestlers would be like, well, no, that's not how this works. Like, um, at least for me. I mean, I could be completely off off base there, but that's how I was raised. So, well, next week when we come back and have a talk, we'll probably have more information. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, hopefully, because maybe not. Maybe it's just the end. All right, so we've got a few uh, other bits and pieces that we do need to talk about before we wind things up here. Uh, we have CM Punk. We cannot talk about Collision without talking about CM Punk. It's essentially the CM yeah. Punk show. Um, there was one interesting segment that happened at the start of the show. We've had Ricky come out. Um, by the way, I think he's a fucking style icon. Um, I love everything he's doing right now. Um, and he's also the first person I've seen actually utilize the Owen belt after winning it. Um, I don't have a problem with him holding on to that for the next year and dragging it around. And if he's going to be a heel, have it be like, look, I, this is my belt. No one else is ever yeah, going to win. I'm this never putting it up for grabs for the next yeah. 12 months. Yeah, but uh, the interesting thing to me was, you know, he came out with the Louis Vuitton bag. He was like, no one's going to ask me what's in this bag. (laughs) Actually, there's nothing in this bag. I just wanted to show you what was in it because, you know, it's not like a CM Punk thing. And then CM Punk comes out and he goes, you want to know what's in the red bag? Do you want a shot at what's in the red bag? Um, Because Max sure doesn't. I am the real world's champ. How do we feel about that? Okay, so... I don't know why he's fucking Santa Claus. My issue is, yes, he's been carrying this bag around and, yes, it really looks like it's the belt, but can you just fucking take it out? Like, I, I don't I don't know why there's this, like, refu- refusal to show it. Like, I don't... It's like Schroeder's Yeah, belt. I don't understand it, though. It's like, it is... Is he, is he the champ or isn't he? he? Well... Until he takes it out. Well, yeah, because <laughs> then know. when he takes it out, he makes his intention clear. So I guess what they're doing is they're waiting until um, Max's stuff with Cole is sort of dusted because, you know, I think if you started to work on Punk with the belt, then all of a sudden you've got a war on two fronts because Punk's like, well, I'm the champion. And then it pushes the story away from MJF versus Adam Cole I mean, it's it, it's essentially the same story Punk told with Cena um, at Money in the Bank ninety whatever or two thousand and ten or whatever it was. I can't <laughs> even remember what year it was, but you know he had the championship. He won it off Cena, walked away, didn't stick to his promise and take it to Ring of Honor. 
Um, uh, and then they rushed it through, and Cena won the belt, the new belt, and they brought it all together. Um, telling, I, I feel like they're using this as a way of telling that story in a better way. Mm-hmm. I do think they're waiting for that, though. Ho- hopefully, I, I don't mind them. I don't mind them drawing it out. Yeah, I just, I guess that it's like we all know what's in the bag. If yeah, we don't, but we all. We all do. And we all know what his yeah. intention is because he keeps talking about how he's the real champion and all of that kind of stuff. Um, so I just, I guess I almost just want this bit to be over so that we can move on to that bit. But at the same time, I'm having a lot of fun with the Adam Cole MJF stuff. So it's like, yeah, I, I feel like. As long as that's not yeah, wheels. Yeah, we won't see it, I don't think. I don't think we'll no. see the end of it. And, you know, yeah. that's okay. I mean, unless, of course, they're going to go down the two, two belts route, you know, and have a collision championship. And does AEW need mm-hmm. more belts? That's the question. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that certainly is a question. And, and I, you know... I do find myself being the most engaged with CM Punk's promos and matches on Collision. So for me, I I just kind of want to see more of it. But at the same time, there's this little roadblock that's in the way of it advancing further. So um, I only ever only had one other thought when it came to this show. And this is probably my strongest reaction that I had to the show was we had Miro come out, as you mentioned earlier. I love seeing Miro coming out and doing his thing. He came out, and then all of a sudden he got jumped by the person he was fighting, but the guy that came out was a fucking monster. And my question my question was, and I haven't had this reaction to a unknown wrestler for a long time, but Nick Comorado... This guy looks like a machine. Yeah. Like, he really looks like the business. Unfortunately for him, the second strike he throws in that sequence is poo. Um, <laughs> yep. Agreed. Like, agreed. Yeah. Like, watching him come down, he came, he looked awesome. But he looks like an old school wrestler. Like, he's, he's, he's huge. He's got the, the long hair. He's got the hairy chest, like an old, yeah. old school wrestler. Like, he, He's a throwback, and but he's not a throwback in the way that I don't like. Um, outside yeah. of that, though, the dude looks awesome. He reminds me of those toys that were like the big plastic, the big rubber ones that wouldn't move, like of the chic, you know? Oh, yeah, the LJMs. yeah. He reminds me of that. Like, you know, he's yeah. he's just a huge yeah. horse of a man. Um, so, yeah, all good. All good for that. I, I'm definitely keen to see more. But in saying that, I also, I also feel like with him... It's going to be the typical AEW thing that we see this guy, he looks amazing, uh, everyone goes, who the fuck's that? And they, we don't see him for another six months. Yeah, well, that's that's just the problem with an oversaturated roster as well, though. That's that's the issue. Can, can I, before we wind up with um, coverage of this week's shows, there's one last point I want to make when it comes to uh, Collision. And for the last two weeks, we've had Ring of Honors, Ian Riccoboni on commentary. And I personally think Ian Riccoboni needs to be on this show every week. And I'm not even saying that he. it's because I don't like um, 
the guy from New Japan who's usually on the show. Um, and I can't remember his name for the life of me. Someone's going <laughs> to kill me for not remembering his name. But Ian Riccoboni, for me, is a throwback to um, Mike Tanay's style of um, commentary. He's a guy that can call matches really well. He gets excited really well. But he knows how to. he knows the history of wrestling. He knows the history of everyone in the matches and he can bring up at the drop of a hat. It's probably really well researched beforehand and he's just really good at his job, but it feels like he goes, he feels like he just pulls from his knowledge of this wrestler's history and is able to tell a bigger story. And I think that's a big part of commentary. And I think it's an issue that Dynamite faces with their commentary team because I have a lot of issues with Dynamite's commentary but um, I feel like he adds to what's happening in the ring and I think it's the most important part of being a commentator is adding to the story Wait, you mean told. Kevin? Whereas <laughs> Kevin, oh, Gino's going to be so mad <laughs> Yeah, right I knew someone would be mad and I'm, look, and I, I don't think no, he's bad at no, what he does. I think Kevin Kelly's great I'm just saying. I'm just saying that I think Ian is amazing, and I and I have no problem with having Ian on the show. Yeah, I fully agree with that too. I, you know, like you said, it is about um, enhancing the show rather than detracting from it. And I think that we've been spoiled for commentators like over the years, and when we're not spoiled, we really notice it. Look, and some of the problems I've had with Dynamite has actually been that three-man team has never felt cohesive. They go off on weird little tangents during the matches and have just the oddest little conversations that do not add to the match at times. Um, And as much as I love and respect JR, I think it's time for him to start working backstage. I love and respect the guy for what he has brought to the business and done in the business as well. So do not let me do not let me saying that it's time for him to start working backstage sound like it's anything but Yeah. What it no, is. look I, I I get it. All right. Like I I love JR as well. JR's been responsible for most of the big moments as far as wrestling goes, I think, throughout or at least my personal upbringing in wrestling. And I mm-hmm. I respect everything that he's always done and I would love nothing than to hear his voice commentate all the major moments in wrestling. But there has to come a time um, where you take a step back and I think we're mm-hmm. getting getting to that point. So we've probably been to that point for a while. I know people have been talking about it for a while. I always get happy whenever I hear mm-hmm. his voice though. So maybe I'm one of those ones that's like hanging on by my teeth, but at the same time I get it. I... I wouldn't be mad if he announces his departure after All In. Give him the main event of All In. Let him call that amazing event because it's going to be amazing. And let him say afterwards, that was amazing. That was awesome. I'm going out on a high note. And I want him to go out on yeah, a high note. Yeah, right? no. It's a very sobering um, thought to end collision on but yeah yeah, no i definitely understand that like uh, by all means i think that that's it's probably time like and you know like he still has a very good column and you know has the podcast and the podcast is still amazing and there's still a lot he can give to a yeah absolutely agree with that too the guy's wealth of knowledge 
as worth having yeah. around. From every role he's ever had, like, you know, whether it's talent relations yeah. to commentary, like, yeah, it's 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 100% worth it. Yeah, so, everything. yeah. Well, that is Collision, and that is the week of wrestling after 100 years of talking. Um, yeah, exactly, and that's not even included. Like, we didn't talk Impact. We didn't talk... Um, Rampage. Oh, things we didn't talk about, but <laughs> Rampage, yeah. So, oh, man, we're going to have to find a way of cutting down yeah, this show. Yeah, yeah, maybe <laughs> we're going to have to take, like, a little bit less of a point here or there uh, and, and, and just kind of focus on the... I thought we were focusing on the bits that we needed to, but... Oh, look, but me and you have a habit, even when we're not on a microphone, of having a conversation and going off on tangents, so this was always going to happen. Um, so, anyway, going forward with the show, we have got another couple of segments we want to include in the show. Uh, I don't think we're going to include it this week, but I want you to uh, explain what we're going to do when it comes to a couple of segments, which is definitely... Leaning into your experience. Yeah, yeah, because obviously I've been doing the wrestling for a long time and I've been involved with it for even longer. I've uh, I've heard a lot of stories and um, they're not my stories to tell, but I will if you want me to. So what we're going to do is we're going to have a bit of a, a dual-based uh, segment here and it's going to be stories from the road or obscure wrestling matches. So essentially what I want from the people who are listening is if you're a professional wrestler or on the independent circuit or even a mainline guy or girl and you'd like to come through and give me a, a story, uh, it can be completely anonymous. We'll keep all the names out of it. But I'd- and look, I'm just going to add this in here. As the person who's the fan, I won't be seeing these stories until... Um, Shippy tells me them. I won't be privy mm-hmm. to who's sent them in. Um, the, only the man who has worked on that side of the business will know. Where yeah, this is and, and like I'm, you know, very, very proud of the business, and I like to keep it very protected. But at the same time, in the many years I've been doing it, man, I've had some good times. Like there have been some stories. There have been some stuff that I could tell that. Oh, it's just, it's just such a beautiful place to exist within, and. I, I love wrestling and I miss wrestling and I want to be able to share some of that with the listeners here as well. So if you've got a story, send it through. Send it through to me uh, on Twitter at underscore warship or anywhere else at the warship and I will take the story and I will omit all the names. I'll make up names if you'd like and um, we'll just share some of those. On the weeks where we don't have one of those, what I'm going to do is I'm going to bring an obscure wrestling match because, as mentioned earlier, for example, Fids never really got around Chikara, and I've got a bunch of crazy, crazy obscure wrestling matches that I really, really like. So in the weeks where I don't have a story, we're going to give you a recommendation, and they're going to be a little bit of homework for you guys as well, a bit of a chance to sit there and and really get to some of the gold mines of wrestling. So those are the two things we're hoping to do. And, and the other thing we're talking about potentially doing, we might do it as a separate segment and release it on Twitter or TikTok or something like that, is essentially this obscure wrestling match that Shippy brings to the table will be one that me and him will watch the match and I will react to it for the first time because uh, from some of the ones that you've already told me off the mic, it sounds like 
there's some hilarity. Oh, absolutely. And I think that, like, you know, in both of the situations, whether it be the stories from the road or the obscure wrestling, I think that there's some real gold. You know, I think that there's some some really, really exciting stuff to talk about and stuff to see for the first time. So, yeah, I, I just wanted to put that call out there to everyone and we'll see how we go from there. Awesome. Um, right, let's wind up everything this week with uh, our recommendations of if you are in Australia or New Zealand, well, namely uh, Australia this week, but in Australia and New Zealand, you want to check out some awesome wrestling in your area. We've got a few recommendations of some shows that are coming up uh, that we highly recommend you getting along to. Um, so let's start things off with, uh, we've got Renegades, who are the awesome uh, outfit in Melbourne, Renegades of Wrestling. They're actually collaborating with America's GCW. They're doing a tour from uh, August right through uh, in August from the 25th right through the 27th they're hitting Sydney Melbourne and Brisbane tickets are on sale now and there are some big names coming over for that show I'm wanting to buy a ticket purely to see Mucky Ito <laughs> going to be a huge show like I, I really really like the guys at Renegades and I love GCW so yeah definitely one not to miss at all um, another one is actually a show that I go to literally every month, uh, All-Star Pro Wrestling Australia. Uh, they're actually expanding where they're doing shows as well at the moment. Um, but coming up this month, they've got Steel City Madness, which is in Broadmeadow Bowling Club, which is just south of Newcastle. If, so if you're in Newcastle, highly recommend you checking them out. But um, you can also check them out if you're in Sydney. They're going to be uh, at the Padstow RSL on August the... Uh, I've got... I've cocked this up, but I believe it's August the 11th uh, or or on the 19th. <laughs> it could be the 119th. <laughs> I'm not too sure. So, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they're doing Proving Grounds uh, at Padstow RSL and they've just signed Orlando Jordan, uh, which is going to be interesting. He's going to be doing a uh, wrestling with them for the next few months. Uh, so, highly recommend if you want to see an ex WWE. US champion on uh, local soil. Check yeah, and on my side of the country, <laughs> uh, we've got a couple of pretty big shows. So the first one I want to mention is a show that is a tribute show. So um, one of the women's wrestlers here in Perth passed away recently uh, by the name of Roxy Wright, and there is a, a tribute show called Forever Roxy Wright. It's going to be happening on August 5th and uh, all the proceeds are going to a cure for meningitis, which is the disease that sadly took her. So uh, it's going to be a really, really good show. There'll be a lot of people there and getting around a, a really special, special to us cause, you know, very close to our hearts. So That sounds like one of those shows that you turn up you pay at the door to turn up, and then you drop a few extra bucks in the bucket oh, on the way yeah, up. Yeah, absolutely, because obviously it's all for a great cause. It's such a terrible yep. disease, and it comes out of nowhere, as we've seen. So, um, yeah, all the love and support goes towards them for that. Uh, we just had a, a no-ring deathmatch show here yesterday, actually. Uh, it was called Dude, Where's My Ring? Um, they're a very fun show. Uh, very recommended to check them out. They're doing another show coming up soon. It is uh, based around uh, Mean Girls. I think the show's called is They Don't Even Go Here. So, um, <laughs> you know, that one's going to be fantastic as well. And the other one that I wanted to talk about is Explosive Pro Wrestling's Hell or High Water, which is a 
going to be headlined by a steel cage match. Uh, it's going to be Don, the, the Don Michael Morleone versus Taylor King. And that one is going to be an absolute banger. EPW have a really good habit of knocking it out the park all of the time. Uh, that one is on the 12th of August as well. Yeah, and uh, later on in the year, tickets are actually on sale now. Uh, but it's one that uh, they've, they've marketing's already in full swing for World Series of Wrestling. Uh, and they are putting on a massive tour. They're going to be touring around Australia from October the 6th to the 13th. They're hitting Melbourne, Adelaide, Perth, Brisbane and Sydney. But some of the names on this card are huge. So we've got Motor City Machine Guns. We've got uh, Frankie Kazarian, Matt Cardona and uh, Steph Delander, of course, they're doing their thing. Sean Spears and Cassie Lee are going to be there. Brian Cage. We were talking about Miro earlier. His partner's going to be there. CJ Perry uh, and Warbeard, um, which, of course, is uh, old mate Eric Redbeard, Eric Rowan. So um, amazing. Uh, a lot of internationals coming in. Of course, they're going to be taking on a whole bunch of amazing local talent as well. Yeah, no, so... If you are in the area, highly recommend you check out a local wrestling show. You will not regret it because, yeah, like like I said, it's what I've been doing for such a long time and the shows are as good, if not better, than anything you'll see on television. So, i tell you what I love about local wrestling is uh, even when it's bad, it's so entertaining. There's nothing like being in the crowd at a wrestling show, even a small one. So, yeah, 100% yeah. recommend yeah, and look, and a lot of these shows are super affordable as well. Yeah, look, honestly, like for a night out, they are all well within a budget. So, um, yeah, very, very much so keen to see everybody at those shows. And uh, yeah, if you can, and look, and if you're running, if you're running any of these shows and want us to um, uh, talk about it, hit us up on Twitter. You can hit up either Shippy or myself. And if you want us to attend these shows. More than welcome to take a free pass and turn up to them as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and please, if you want to talk about the shows as well, please get in contact because we'd love to have you on. So, Yeah, well, we're looking at having a few guests on the show. Uh, we've already been in talks with – there's some pretty big names that are interested in coming mm-hmm. on the show. Um, I'm not going to mention anything mm-hmm. until we've <laughs> got pen on paper, but uh, some uh, big international names from the Australia and New Zealand scene who are doing big things in the global space that want to talk, and we're more than happy to have them on and uh, talk about pro wrestling in Australia and global and what they're doing. Yeah. So I guess, um, you know, in the sense that I started the show, perhaps I will do a outro as well. <laughs> so I, I'm terrible at these. I have always been terrible at them, but... I guess the best way to do, kind of get around this is we've got the time for it. Fid, why don't you tell the people where they can find you? Yeah, well, you can find me on everything uh, at Fid McAwesome. Uh, I'm sure there's going to be links somewhere in the description. Uh, but, uh, yeah, hit me up. Uh, I love talking wrestling and bullshit. So Yeah, and for me, you can find me pretty much everywhere at as the warship except for on twitter because twitter hates me and there you'll find me at underscore warship so hit me up with your stories from the road so that we can get that going um yeah other than that thank you so much for listening and thank you fid as well for hanging out and talking with me and um we don't have an outro yet or anything funny to say at the end so thanks for watching listening wherever you're doing it and we'll see you next time